time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the uh, Cold War podcast, Ray, episode 177, where we continue our story of the creation of the CIA. Yes, let's get into it. Where did we finish last time, Barry? Bear? Oh, the OSS was terminated by Truman on September 20th, 1945. Uh, there was a report that came out that pretty much slacked uh, Wild Bill Donovan's reputation and all the work he had done. And now he is going to bitch to members of Congress and he's going to bitch to members of press. But as far as we are concerned, as far as he is concerned, it seems that his dream is truly dead. So meanwhile, in Berlin... Alan mm-hmm. Dulles, OSS officer, and the ranking OSS officer in Germany, right. was using a, a mansion for his new headquarters. Well, yeah. And his favourite lieutenant, Richard Helms, mm-hmm. was uh, trying to spy on the Soviets. <clears throat> now, yes. according to Helms, right. speaking 50 years later, what you have to remember is that in the beginning, we knew nothing. Our knowledge of what the other side was up to, their intentions, their capabilities was nil or next to it. Mm. If you came up with a telephone book or a map of an airfield, that was pretty hot stuff. God. We were in the dark about a lot of the world. Now, Helms had become famous uh, when, as a 23-year-old, mm-hmm. he interviewed Adolf Hitler at the 1936 Olympics. Oh, cool. He when dined he... out on that story for years. I uh, would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I met yeah. Hitler. Yeah, yeah I well, met Hitler. Yeah, it wasn't that impressive. If I could give a very short bio of Helms, you'll start to get an idea that a lot of people like him, they might have been gung-ho, they might have been patriotic, they were obviously well-educated and intelligent, but that has absolutely nothing to do with how spycraft works, how Europe works, how Asia uh, works. And these guys, just like we were saying, in the last episode, they don't know what the hell's going on in the world because, you know, America's kind of focused on itself. But anyways, Helms comes from a family that has lots of money and lots of influence. Various family members over the generations have had positions in Congress and the White House. He went to Princeton. He was a lawyer. He was a diplomat. He'd worked in Istanbul and Switzerland. Uh, he was a part of the American delegation to the League of Nations at one point. So he's got some legal and diplomatic experience in, in the world. But again, he's an American. He's pretty isolated. And as far as the ins and outs of spycraft, he, just like a lot of these other people, um, really don't know what they're doing despite his sincerity. Yeah, as he himself said. Exactly. They had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. Now, he was about to return to the US from Berlin when he, he got the message the OSS was disbanded, but then Ooh. he got a message saying, don't leave yet. As it turned out, yes. 
Back in Washington, people were pulling strings behind Truman's back to try and keep Some... the OSS alive. Our old friend Damn. Henry Stimson, Stimo, no. Secretary <clears throat> of War, had just retired. He had been one of the main enemies of the idea of a CIA, a peacetime oh, yes. intelligence service, an American Gestapo. Right. So taking advantage of the transition... Brigadier General John Magruder, Donovan's mm-hmm. deputy, had a quiet meeting with another old friend of ours, John McCloy, the Assistant Secretary of War. Magruder, of Ooh. course, went on uh, later on to have his own TV show. I got a clip from it here. <laughs> Magruder, making life-saving inventions out of household materials. So, yeah, it was huge for him. I mean, it was, yeah. uh, he was like, yeah. fuck the CIA, man. TV's where it's at. Right. But here, here's a little bit of Magruder's background. He had been in the Army since 1910. He had been in China uh, trying to work with Chiang Kai-shek. And obviously he had, he had his strings pulled perf- uh, very well by Chiang Kai-shek, who was a master politician. And so when he comes out of China, goes back into Washington, he's like, you know, we can't trust people in foreign lands. They fucking lie to us all the time. We have to know what's going on everywhere. And when it when this something like this comes up, we have to be able to change um, the situation by covert actions. So his his time in China had really made him a little had made him uh, skeptical, and so now he wants to come in and actually help create this thing because, as far as he's concerned, America desperately needs this uh, invisible hand and this ability to gather intelligence. So together, Magruder and McCloy decided to countermand Truman's is, order to disband the that, OSS. Isn't that treason? To go against, uh, yeah. or is it patriotism? Yeah, I think it probably is. Well, or is it super you know. patriotism? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Depends on what side of the uh, Civil War you're on, I guess. Good point. But clever, they changed its name from the OSS to the SSU, the Strategic Services Units. Not the Office no. of Strategic no. Services. It's, it's a- the Strategic Services <laughs> Unit. It's completely different. Comple- Truman, Truman's color. like, hold on, I told you to disband that. <laughs> right, well, yeah, we did. Yeah. Well, what's this? Oh, that's completely different. What are you talking about? It's you just ch- you just change one letter. Right. No. Yeah, Trust but me. You, like the O when at the beginning, right. the U goes at the, the end. end. Huge difference. Huge difference. Like Barry and Stan worked for this on months, man. Like, trust me. On coke. There's like the weekends. <laughs> ties undone. Cigarette stubs in the desk. We were yeah. we OSS was their supplier of coke. And uh, they were they were <laughs> terrified. They, so did they did it. They did it. They were like, you know, for, yeah, we, you know, you don't do that to us. Yeah. Uh, so they changed the name to the SSU. Oh, McCloy God. then asked his good friend Robert Lovett, the Assistant Secretary for Air War, who would go on to become a Secretary of Defense later on, to set up a secret commission to plot out the course for American intelligence, not to tell Truman about it. Treason. And they just... They just tell him later. 
after they'd figured it all out. Better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. So uh, these three guys are basically creating the CIA behind Truman's back. Magruder called it the holy cause of central intelligence. I'm sorry. I just have trouble with that. This cause is so worthy. I'm going to commit treason, ignore my boss because he doesn't get it because he's just a former haberdasherist from Missouri. I know better than he does. The chain of uh, what's that? The chain of command doesn't apply anymore. I'm going to operate behind his back. I mean, but but again, I think part of the thinking was if we can get something up and running Maybe it's a little harder to kill something that's up and running versus something that's been told to stand down. And if we can get some juicy information, give it to them, justify our existence, maybe they'll keep us around. I think they were literally trying to to do something like that, to try to get some information and to show that they, you know, that it was worthy and maybe they would be forgiven for their sins. Uh, well, well, the I'll, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say the other theory is that it was a nod, nod, wink, wink kind of a situation Truman said he gave him he said listen to my words carefully (laughs) as he's shaking his head right (laughs) yeah you have to disband the OSS hey hey the watch the watch mother will be ready hey hey you know what I mean no I mean disband the OSS no I mean no I mean not as as good as a wink to a blind bat (sighs) And uh, Magruder was like, aha. Got uh, it. Right. Yeah, I get it, President Truman. I get it. Right away, sir. He said later, he used to have this policy with women too. Like They'd say, well, she said she didn't want it. And he was like, yeah, but. uh, There was a tone. Yeah. Truman wouldn't have been wearing that short red dress if he didn't (laughs) want me to. Bill the CIA, come on. <laughs> Got to read between the lines here. Yeah. She said she didn't want it, but we know she really yeah. did. Because Truman was a... Because <laughs> Truman <laughs> was a... Your mother is a dirty, <laughs> dirty whore. <laughs> and he was yeah. a racist, dirty whore. But that's beside the Yeah. Stop making the American people part of your experiment. (laughs) So that's what Truman said to him. Right. Uh, Good point. Yeah, so that's the other theory. Now, there's nothing recorded anywhere that Truman gave him a nod and a wink, but uh, that is one of the stories that has spread around. Well, yeah, he really wanted it. He just couldn't say that he wanted an American Gestapo, but everyone wants their own Gestapo. Oh, Come I on, do. let's be honest. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I do too. I, I <laughs> have a Gestapo me. tomorrow if I can afford it. <laughs> Private <laughs> brown shirts running around beating the fuck out of people I don't like. Oh, <laughs> Facebook comments. Oh, my God. When people, this is the latest one I've been right? laughing about. People, uh, Democrats, American Democrats that, that are tr- still trying to argue about Russian collusion with me or Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever, oh. one guy in particular likes to say, come on, Cameron, you're smarter than that. Oh, good it's one. This, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this sneaky little uh, ad hominem backhanded compliment Ego. insult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're smarter than that. And I'm like, well, A, if I am smart, maybe you should shut the fuck up and listen to <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> 
and you might learn something. Yeah. Secondly, that's just an ad hominem attack and you can't be taken seriously. People who use ad hominem attacks are usually indicating by doing so that they can't actually play the ball. They have to play the men. They don't have any right. facts to provide, so they attack the player. So really you're just diminishing your own credibility yeah. and uh, I'm not yeah. going to take you seriously or respond to any of your future right. comments. Thank you for playing. Thirdly, but, uh, yeah, my brown shirts will be visiting you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's where I was going with that. But you, Cam, no one knows more about constitutional law than you do because I know you used to be a practicing lawyer. Um, I was. Yeah. Can you create a federal agency without anything written down on your own with a nod and a wink? Well, the answer, Ray, uh, and this has been tested at the Supreme Court many times, right. is the answer is yes, you can, uh, if <laughs> you can know. get away with it. Oh, yeah, if you can the get caveat. away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The caveat. Okay, yeah. thank you. We, thank you, we, sir. When I was a trial lawyer, we took that all the way to the Supreme Court. <laughs> Did you? And the Supreme Court unanimously, it was one of the f few times... All of the justices said, no, you can't. But then they all went, wink, wink, wink. hey, hey, right. hey, you know what I mean? No, you can't, <laughs> hey, hey. No, it's a good so we, I mean. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Professor yeah. Yeah. Riley. The watch, Professor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> now, another guy who was there at the beginning was Frank Wisner, uh, the Wiz, as they right. would call him. Uh, they are. There's a cool whole name. musical Michael Jackson made about him, The Wiz. It was a beautiful <laughs> thing. When Michael Jackson looked like uh, Diana Ross. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. You can do a good hee-hee. Uh, thank, he. thank you. Wow. Thank is you. That, is that because your, 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 your nutsack is up high in the – is that what it is? Up in the high in the body there? It's, pre it's pretty it's high. Cold. It's cold. Is it pretty cold in Virginia right now? <laughs> it's <laughs> cold. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your, but your mulberonies, your chestnuts are The point high. is there's still some talent involved. It's not just the weather and uh, my, yeah. the position right, right, of my right. testicles. Uh -huh. There's some talent. It's anyway, it's a, it yeah, is a skill. Yeah. Thank you. Where did, my, where did Michael touch you when you went to visit his bedroom in right uh, Neverland? Uh, there. Oh, this is audio. It's still he in said, hiding. Ray, it's still in <laughs> Ray, would you like to be able to sing high like me, Ray? I yes, I would. Do that, Ray. This is how I used just to talk. Your, just put your nutsack in Uncle Michael's mouth, Ray. It's not gay when it's between friends, Ray. It's not gay so in front of us. Okay. A voice, Ray. <laughs> if you say so. And then I went, hee hee. Now, when Helms was in... <laughs> When Elves was in Berlin, <laughs> building, right? trying to build their espionage operation with the Soviets being his target, uh, Wisner yes. wanted to develop a covert action team. He wanted to send people in yes. to fucking destabilise shit and blow shit up. Black Ops, baby. Oh, yes. Yeah. Go uh, team. What was that? Yeah. What was that? What was that game I used to play? Uh, uh, Splinter Cell. Oh, Split. he wanted to sp create Splinter Cell. Gotcha. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Splinter so, yeah, Cell. He... Wait, no. So wait. Wisner. No, wait. Go ahead. Wait. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting. Who did the voice of uh, lead character? Uh, was it Max, Max Fisher, I think? Who is the lead? Uh, Sam Fisher in Splinter Cell. I don't know. 
Was this a cartoon? Was it a movie? Was it a TV show? Was it a? It was an Xbox game. It was about a black oh. ops guy called Sam Fisher. One of the greatest games okay. I've ever played. Uh, you're basically like this black ops guy, and you you right. have to go in like most shoot 'em up games. You know, you go in, you have to shoot everyone. This was sure. the opposite. Came out in like 2002, one of the early Xbox games. You had to sneak around and assassinate people without being seen or oh, caught. Right. You would normally have to go into buildings with a lot of guards, a lot of security cameras and lasers and all that kind of stuff. And you had to sneak around quietly in the dark with infrared goggles on, not make any noise. Right. If you. If you Killed someone, if you took out a guard, you had to do it quietly and hide their body in a closet. Oh, God. So no, you know, other guards wouldn't see the body. Uh, it was brilliant. It was great. I got to go. It was developed by Ubisoft. I got to, develop their, I got to visit their office and interview one of their lead designers in uh, San Francisco. Uh, it was great. But their voice of the main character, Sam Fisher, was done by... Michael motherfucking Ironside. Nice. Oh, I want to yeah, hear his. I got to look baby. up some YouTube videos now of him. Doing oh, I'm that. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it now because <laughs> you know. Because you can. I want it too. Right. Because I can. Yeah. Because you can. Here we go. This is the fifth installment of Sam Fisher. Have I approached him differently this way? By the nature of the process of how we made the game, yes, I have this time. Hi. The whole story seems to be more dense. It's more human. The relationships seem more human. I caught myself actually when we were doing some of the dialogue, especially around Sarah, my daughter, and stuff like that, that it got a little emotionally richer than, we're, than I'm used to. Oh, that voice, man. Yes. Deep. Comes, oh, deep in the cojones, in the Maronis. <laughs> Who killed my daughter? I have a 10-year-old, as this is being taped. That is one area of my life where uh, it's very rich in emotions. And be able... Oh, that voice. Does he have emotions? Oh. I can't tell. <laughs> he's Michael Ironside. That's why he's called Ironside. He has no emotions. He's iron. <laughs> Made of iron. Uh, uh, oh, oh, man. Yeah, they they uh, they fired him, Actor I think. And- uh, Michael Ironside after, I don't know, the first or second uh, oh. uh, game. They replaced him. wasn't the same. Oh, sure. And they had to bring him back. Platforms are no longer there. They're... They had to bring him back because he's Michael fucking Ironside. Yeah. Never... Bitch. Can't be you replaced. Don't fire Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside fires <laughs> you. <laughs> I quit. you. Yeah. What did he do in... He shot a guy through the hand or something. He threw in, a knife. Uh... He threw a knife and stuck uh-huh. it in his hand again in a wall. Just to make a point. One of his own guys. Yeah, to one make of his own, during training. During training, In just to Starship make a point. Starship Troopers? Yeah. Yeah. That's leadership yeah. right there. You'll remember this one. <laughs> he learned that. Sorry. When he was in the OSS. Yeah. yeah. Fucking it. Um, yeah. Wisner, Frank Wisner wanted a covert action team. He had been stationed in Romania. Right. Uh, probably there when uh, Donovan lost his briefcase to a stripper. Probably. Um, and he was reporting back to his bosses that he was having oh, a huge success spying on the Russians. Yes. Oh, spying on the Russians, going so well. <laughs> now, he had been a spy for about a year at yeah. this stage. Yeah. Uh, the Russians had been spying for 200 years <laughs> at this point. <laughs> They already had agents inside the OSS. Wow. And had infiltrated Wisner's network of informants in Romania. 
Damn. But he thought he was doing such a fucking bang up job, and the Russians were like, "Oh, da da, you you yeah. spy on us, yeah. good American comrade, da." Uh, you too much for and, us. Uh, yeah. Drinking his vodka behind his back. Can I go on a sexual segue? Oh, I wish you would. Thank it's you. Been too long. So Wisner, he was a corporate lawyer, and like like you said, he goes from New York. You know, everything is. American, everything's clean cut, whatever. He's there. He's it's getting all dirty. He wants to do these covert ops. One of the people that he was working with was King Michael of Romania. And if you look up a picture of King Michael of Romania, the man is sex on a stick himself. He's got eyes you can get lost in. He's got lips that are so moist he could put out a drought by himself. Anyway, I'm I'm sure they hooked up, but the point is he's trying to help bring him yeah, back. I'm done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I looked him up and I'm like, oh my God, King Michael was so... And the uniform. Anyway, that I just had to do that real quick. But yeah, so he thinks he's making these inroads and the Soviets are running circles around him and he doesn't even know it. So where were you? Oh, yeah. Coming in King Michael's mouth, I think, <laughs> that's where you were. Um... And scene. I'm done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now... Wisner or Wisner and Helms didn't like each other, but they had to work together, a lot, yes. lot like us. So much. despite Truman putting the brakes on the idea of uh, an American Gestapo, as I said before, everyone in Washington wanted one as yes. long as they controlled it. Exactly. Joint Chiefs of Staff wanted it, Army wanted to run it, Navy wanted to run it, Jade Hoover wanted to run it, State Department wanted to run it, even the Postmaster General <laughs> wanted to run it. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, it's obvious. You know, yeah. we're you know we're already so got the, your mail. I'm the stand Just master. read your mail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We <laughs> know what's going on. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> wanted to build their own little empire a little bit bigger, but as Magruder said, yeah. clandestine intelligence operations involve a constant breaking of all the rules. To put it boldly, yeah. such operations are necessarily extra-legal and sometimes illegal. Sometimes. So there you have it. The CIA yeah. was designed from the beginning to do extra-legal and illegal things. Right. And, and with that, I mean, clearly the Pentagon, the State Department can't run it because they have to have plausible deniability. So you're right. So there has to be a new institution, a clandestine service that can do this because, look, we're going to break the law on a pretty regular basis. So... That's what we need. But here's the problem. And you were hinting at this a couple of minutes ago. Who's going to run this? Because a lot of people have already gone. All those lawyers that we were mentioning, they've all gone back to New York to their prestigious law firms and their cushy lifestyles. What, five out of every six OSS veterans had gone back to their jobs. By the end of 1945, there's only there's not even quite 2,000 agents left. Most of the stations in London, Paris, Rome, Vienna, Madrid, Lisbon, and Stockholm lost almost all of their agents. I mean, this thing has been purged. The people are disheartened. They've gone back to their cushy jobs. And so you can make this decision. That's great. But the personnel that you need have already flown the coop. And we've mentioned uh, Frank Wisner Wisner before. Uh, mm -hmm. He was such a great and, and natural spy with a keen sense. Oh, yeah. He could read people. Uh, unfortunately, not Kim Philby because uh, he was really close to Kim <laughs> Philby. And, uh, I can't read him. He's got lead around him. 
something. Oh, he was good looking too. Yeah. That was the thing that did him. Like he liked mm. the good looking guys. Uh, Who doesn't? Uh, oh, you know, I got to edit exactly. That out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he ended up uh, killing himself. Oh, nineteen sixty-five committed suicide. But uh, there you go. But anywho. Yeah. Uh, back to back to the plausible deniability. Uh, uh, yeah, like the CIA was set up to do illegal things, which is why when the Church Commission happened in 1975, investigated the CIA, and they're like, "What? It's doing illegal things." I've actually what? got a clip Shock. from the Church. I've got oh. a I've got a clip from the Church Committee hearings here. Good. How can they close me up on what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. <laughs> I love that movie. Love that You're movie. winning, shock, sir. Shock. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to pay him off. Yeah. Uh, if, if I could real quick, because I know Wisner is going to come back to, into this. For him, it was not only patriotism, you know, that kind of stuff, checking communism. But when he was there, he watched, I can't remember, was it like, Tens of thousands, or at least thousands, of Romanians who had German uh, German blood, you know, German lineage somewhere. They were all gathered up by the communists, put aboard trains, and shipped to Soviet Russia. Obviously, never saw again. So he had this nightmare thing about there was something horrible that happened. I couldn't stop it. Next time, I want to be able to do something about it. So he had also personal motivations as well, which is why he probably wanted covert operations versus just standing back and gathering uh, information. He wanted to be more active to try to make sure something like that never happened again. So he was personally motivated. But meanwhile, the OSS had been disbanded and 90% of its staff had returned to their old lives, like yes. you said, gone back to their law firms, but the Dulles brothers and Frank Wisner had all gone back to their law firms. And Truman started to get lots of people telling him that he had fucked up by dismantling it. Yes. On January 9th, 1946, Admiral Leahy, Truman's mm-hmm. military chief of staff, he'd been FDR's chief of staff as well, told him rather bluntly to his face yeah. that intelligence had been handled in a disgraceful way. They gutted it so too much. Tr- yeah. Truman decided to fix it, but in his own inimitable way, he decided to fix it in a half-assed country boy, well, I'm just a farm, straight-talking farmer boy from Missouri right. kind of way. Yes. Called in the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, Rear Admiral Sidney Sowers. Is that mm-hmm. how you pronounce that? Sowers. Sowers. Uh, Sowers. Sure. Let's go with Sowers. Yeah. He was a rich Democrat from Missouri mm. and made him the director of the Central Intelligence Group. Congratulations. Not the Central Intelligence Agency. It's a group. So it went from unit to group. Yes. Yeah, we do. It's completely different, right? It was the SSU. (laughs) Now it's the CIG. (laughs) Completely different. Completely different beast. Yeah. I just have to ask real quick, how did Sowers make his money? Uh, Don't recall. Please remind me. Um, Okay. Be prepared to be underwhelmed. He and his family owned a string of Piggly Wiggly Piggly Wiggly Shops, the nation's first self-service supermarkets. I grew up with the Piggly Wiggly near me. It's a little rinky-dink country, you know, grocery store. But 
Even though I haven't seen one in 20 years, there are still 530 stores in 17 states in America. So, But at the time, his money came from little grocery stores that, that uh, people could go in there and do a lot of things for themselves. So good for him. But the point is, the war was over. He wanted to go back home. He was tired of all this. He was just looking forward to going back and being the Piggly Wiggly King. And now Truman pretty much... I guess almost uh, ambushes him saying, congratulations, you've got a new job. He didn't want it, but you don't tell the president no. Okay, class, gather around. This morning, we're going to talk about nutrition. Who can tell me the name of one of the five food groups? Oh, I know, I know. Well, tell us that. What the fuck is that? Some Piggly Wiggly Piggly Wiggly TV show. Yeah, no, they have. Uh, they still have stuff today. Cartoons. They have T-shirts. They have stuff for kids. Piggly Wiggly going strong, baby. Uh, Admiral Lay recorded the moment of the investiture in his diary, January twenty fourth, nineteen forty six. He wrote at lunch today in the White House with only members of the staff present. Rear Admiral Sidney Sowers and I were presented with black cloaks, black hats, and wooden daggers by Truman. <laughs> Jesus. So much for Truman later on saying he never intended it to be a cloak and dagger group. You literally gave them cloaks and daggers. <laughs> no. What did I, you? I read that differently. I think Tr- I, I, I saw it this way. Truman was mocking because Truman knighted him as chief of the cloak and dagger group of snoopers and director of centralized snooping because Truman had made light of it. I got a sense that he truly did just want his daily bulletin and not so much operations. But that was, that was my take on it because what president would put someone in charge of covert operations and then some, do some stupid little stunt with wooden daggers. Isn't that beneath the president? Truman. Oh, I stand corrected. Wow. I stand corrected. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe in Missouri, in age, that's funny. There is no, there is no such thing as something being beneath the president. <laughs> I mean, that's like unless it's a porn you know, star. A, a hooker. Oh right, yeah, right, a porn right. star willingly <laughs> would not be beneath the president because she'd get crushed. But uh, right. outside of that, there is nothing. I got you. <laughs> that is beneath the president. Yeah. <clears throat> um, many. Uh, so Sowers was now in charge of uh, nearly two thousand. Intelligence officers and support staff, they had files and dossiers on 400,000 individuals. Good. But many of them had no idea what they were doing or what they were supposed to do. And when someone asked Sowers after his swearing in what he wanted to do, he said, I just want to go home. He didn't want the gig. No. He was like, oh, fuck me. Really? Really? He's he's got to. Come on, Harry. Harry, (laughs) Harry, shit for brains. But it gets worse. He's got this great responsibility, this pretty big staff or whatever. He's got no authority. He's got no direction from the White House. Why? Because even Truman himself doesn't quite sure what he wants this guy to do. I think you and you were saying this earlier. Truman was just trying to course correct from all the criticism of gutting the American military and the intelligence agencies too far. So he was just trying to change that. But he doesn't really know what he wants. He doesn't have a vision. He's just trying to solve an immediate problem that's in front of him. Yeah, all Truman wanted was a summary of global intelligence on his desk every morning so he didn't have to read a stack of cables, if he is to be believed. But Magruder was still convinced that Truman was secretly (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> wanted a clandestine. He goes, well, again, what's with the fucking cloaks and daggers, man? If you don't want a cloak and dagger, you know, a week is me. as good as a nod, right? So right. he, I mean, I can see how we would come to that conclusion. Uh, and Truman, of course, denied it later in life, but he also denied that dropping the bombs on the Japanese was a horrible mistake. Truman was one of those guys who... Yeah. You know, would never, never acknowledge anything, would never get any mistake. He was just, no. He's old school. Uh, I, I, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm an American. I don't acknowledge mistakes. I just push on and hope, uh, you know, uh, no one notices. <laughs> the, rest, the rest of Washington wanted nothing to do with the CIG, the Pentagon, yes. the State Department, the Army, the Navy, the FBI. None of them would even talk oh. to Sowers. Oh, not they a good morning. Shut him out. Yes. And he only lasted a hundred days in the role and he said, fuck this shit. I'm a going home. <laughs> so he's out. So he's out. But he did leave behind a top secret memo that said there is an urgent need to develop the highest possible quality of intelligence on the USSR in the shortest possible time. Because what had happened by then was, it's clear that the United States and the Soviet Union are not going to come to an agreement about those countries in Eastern Europe. Stalin, and I, I certainly think he has um, some validity here, says, I want these countries in my spheres of influence. I want to control them. And I want to have them as a buffer because it's only a matter of time before you capitalist sons of bitches come back invading Russia again. You've already done it twice. I know you're going to do it again. Whereas Truman wants those countries to be free. And when I say free, I want them to be free to follow America's lead. And I want them to be free to buy American goods. So we have a Mexican standoff in Eastern Europe. So clearly we have to, you know, uh, um, be ready to check on what Soviets are doing in Eastern Europe and other places as well, because we can't trust them. We have to be ready to act. So Sowers only lasted 100 days or so in mm. the role and uh, the only intelligence coming out of the USSR in those days was from the newly appointed American ambassador in Moscow and, and himself a future director of yeah. the CIA, General Walter Bedell Smith. Yeah, hard old Beetle Smith, the yeah. unsung and uh, forgotten original member of the Beatles. I knew that. Uh, they took their name from him. I think he played the kazoo. And then they kicked him out. Sons of bitches. They kicked him out. Sons I of know. bitches. He wrote all their, all their <laughs> top hits. I love uh, you. Initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was there just cranking yeah. them out. Yeah. But cranking them out. Right. But, uh, you know, Paul and John, cold, <laughs> fucking know. hearted killers. So... Um, you know they they killed their uh, you know, original bass player and oh, drummer. Drummer, uh, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that story never comes out. But they yeah. had those guys killed. That's surprising. Anyway, uh, see, they were in Germany at the time, man. You could get away with all sorts of shit <laughs> in East, in West Berlin at the time. You know, uh, and then they were they were from the cavern. You know, the back of the cavern was just if you went behind, you know, they were behind the stage at the cavern in Liverpool. Right. Yeah, it's just bodies everywhere. Just, just like bodies. But the, yeah. people would go and they go, well, they go oh, it's the Beatles, <laughs> former members of the Beatles. Just man. clean it up. John and, just, just John and Paul kill them and then eat the flesh. It's really fucking creepy, man. You wouldn't believe it. 
this whole nice guy, they look so nice. Yeah. Yeah, until yeah, they, they kill do, you don't they? in Egypt. Yeah. That's yeah. how they get you in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All those yeah. Uh, Little Beatle mania groupies that disappeared. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Father Beans and Kent. So we've discovered today that you can do a Michael Jackson hee hee. And uh, you can do a Silence of the Lambs uh, and uh, creepy noise. And I'm proud of both. And my testicles uh, are way working. up. Yeah, yeah. This, my, is, yeah. this is like, uh, who says the lockdown was a waste of time? Like you, you, you practiced all of these things. Uh, highly I'll, useful. I'll have something to show for it when it's all over with in 2022. Anyway. Beetle Smith was there uh, getting educated by our old friend uh, George Keenan Thompson <laughs> on uh, how Russians worked and the right. Russian mind. Now, Beetle Smith, I think we've talked about this before, but he, he um, had been uh, Eisenhower's chief of staff in World War II. That's what he did after he left yes. the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tried to kill him, but right. he escaped Too and became tough. Eisenhower's chief of staff. Yeah, Right. Tough as nails, this guy. Yes. Uh, there's a story yes. about him where he needed blood transfusions for a bleeding ulcer after he collapsed at the end of a dinner with Eisenhower and Churchill. But he then Damn. argued his way out of the hospital and back to his commander's tent so he could personally accept the surrender of the Nazis. I ain't got ah, time. Bleeding yeah, ulcer. I- Don't have time for that. Bleed out of my ass. Just put a diaper on it. I've got stuff to do. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but he, this, but you're right, this guy was tough as nails. He comes from humble origins. He doesn't go to West Point, doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of connections. Fucking through hard work alone, he rises through the ranks to become Eisenhower's chief of staff. That's that's incredible. I will share this with you for, for anybody who's interested in, in kind of personalities of military men. men. Uh, it turns out that Eisenhower was the kind of guy who did not like to look for trouble. And when trouble came, he tried to, he would hope not to do anything and he would hope it, it would kind of take care of itself. So being that kind of passive person, which is not what we think of when we think of Eisenhower, he purposefully chose someone like Bedell Smith, who was just a complete hard ass, didn't give a shit, uh, hatchet man, efficient person. He got someone to balance himself out. And I think you can argue that they did well together, but, but People would smile when Eisenhower walked in the room, and people would shit a brick when uh, Bedell Smith would walk in the room. He was feared. He was respected, but he was feared by everybody as well because he did not play any games. And and now mm. when, when he goes to Moscow, Eisenhower said, you know what? Serve Stalin right. He's going to get a son of a bitch in his face, but it's his own fault for being difficult. He's brought this on himself. So... We'll see what happens with those two later on. So he gets to Moscow in March of 1946, and about mm-hmm. a month later he goes to visit Stalin at the Kremlin alone. Ooh, yeah, at night. Now, Beadle asks Stalin, what does the Soviet Union want and how far is Russia going to go? Stalin apparently looks up at the ceiling, <laughs> and smokes his cigarette and says... <laughs> Uh, we have no designs on any other nation. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he, he, he denounced Churchill's Iron Curtain speech, which had right. been delivered in Missouri a few weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stalin said Russia understood its enemies. Beadle said 
or asked, is it possible that you really believe that the United States and Great Britain are united in an alliance to thwart Russia? Stalin replied, da. Damn. So, so then Beetle asked him again, how far is Russia going to go? Stalin apparently looked him in the eyes and mm-hmm. said, we're not going to go too much further. Uh, how much further is too much further? Yeah. Nobody really knew, <laughs> but that is like, yes, we think you're ganging up against us, yeah. but we're not going to go too much further and we yeah. have no designs on any right. other nation. I've got the now, tip in. I'm just a little further. I'm sorry, go ahead. You know that I, for one, believe him at this particular juncture. Yes. I think Russia had been destroyed, 22 million dead during World War II, economy in tatters. Uh, They're not getting the sort of uh, money to uh, reparations out of East Germany that they had expected. They're getting shit out of the US for reparations. Uh, they've had famines, you know, they've got a lot of problems internal and uh, he doesn't have the bandwidth to expand. But that said, they needed trading partners. Yes. They needed to be able to trade with people. Somebody. It's obvious that they uh, don't feel like they're going to be able to have a productive trading relationship with the West. Mm-hmm. So if the West is trying to take over Europe using the Marshall Plan uh, to bring them into the Western economic bloc, that would leave no one for Russia to trade with. So, yeah, they're going to have to find some uh, countries that they can bring into their economic sphere or America's going to swallow them all up. Now, America's view, obviously, is they were trying to save these countries from domestic and internal communist movements. Who's right, who's wrong, depends on your POV but I, I genuinely think Stalin is being honest here. He didn't have any plans for expansion unless he was forced into securing economic and trade relationships. Yeah. And if you think about it, by the end of World War II, how many, how many skirmishes has there been in Europe, say, for the last two or 300 years? I mean, how would he not firmly believe there's going to be another war. I mean, he, he, he himself, like Truman at first, they don't know the Cold War is coming. They don't know they're going to set up lines and there's going to be missiles pointed at each other. And in a lot of ways, it's going to work because there's going to be mutual deterrence and all that kind of stuff. They have no idea this is coming. As far as Stalin knows, there is going to be another war. It's a matter of who, when, how it starts, whatever. Why would he not protect himself? And you don't build your country up from a second world war just to have it smashed again in the third world war that's that's stupid and idiotic he is going to have a buffer that he's never had before and you can't blame him yes those people are going to lose their individual liberties but for him that's a price he's willing to pay i just i just gonna have a i get his side i get his mentality yeah sorry he's gonna have a buffer and you're gonna have a fluffer that's your dream one day isn't it one day personal fluffer one day one day i've been practicing for d'angelo but i don't want to talk about that uh well, you are, yeah, you are the fluffer, but you are your own fluffer. While you're fluffing D'Angelo, you want someone particularly at least two feet shorter than you right. uh, fluffing you. Is that too much to ask for? I don't think so. Anyway. No, that's, you know, with all of uh, everything you've contributed to the world of podcasting, I think the state should provide you one. It should be funded by the Treasury. Um, here, here. For your services rendered. Services yes. rendered. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a life, a lifelong fluffer. 
Private Fluffer. <laughs> and that's actually going to be their name. They'll be a private in the army. Their I, name is Private Fluffer. I'm seeing no downside so far with everything you've just said. For, for you. For, for me. The fluffer. For <laughs> not, not so, so much. Not so good. Not so much. But yeah. Anyway. Now, uh, Beadle, uh, 1950 Beadle would go on to become the director of the CIA. But yeah. before him, on June 10th, 1946... Yes. After a sweet and sour, Admiral, <laughs> Rear Admiral Sweet and Sour said, fuck all y'all, I'm going home. Yeah. General Hoyt Vandenberg. Nice name. Became the uh, second director of the Central Intelligence Group. Do you know what he did before that, Ray? Uh, all I know is that he was in command of Eisenhower's tactical air arm in Europe. That is all I know. Do you know what he did before that? Uh, he was in the circus. No, I, I don't know. No. Tell me. He was in the import business. Vandalay? <laughs> Just imports, no exports? He's an importer-exporter, okay? <laughs> yeah. Vandalay Industries. Vandenberg Industries was originally called. And changed it to Vandalay Industries. Oh my God, we are, our periods of saint. But anyway, please, please go on with your story. Uh, but now he's the director of the CIG. Now here's something else you may not oh, know about him. Yes. The Washington Post once described him as the most impossibly handsome man on the entire wow. Washington scene. Wow. Something that I know uh, they once called you the yes. same thing. And Many years uh, ago. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe right. once named Vandenberg, along with Joe DiMaggio and Albert Einstein, as one of the three people with whom she would want to be stranded on a deserted island. That's hot. And she said, preferably all three at the same time, because, oh. as she said, right. God didn't give me three holes for <laughs> any of them to get <laughs> wasted. <laughs> <laughs> she was a very modern, modern young lady. Good for her, you know. Uh, whatever yeah, she wants, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's her she body, was like, well, her right. You know, Albert can teach me physics, right? Joe can teach me baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, Vandenberg can teach me spying, right? Or export uh, business. All while uh, right. they're bukkaking over my <laughs> double D breasts. I mean, uh, it's the perfect scenario, uh, you know. Consensual, as long as it's consensual, they, they should be able to do what they want. That's how. Best answer of what would you take with you to a deserted island that I've ever heard. I would well take done. King Michael of Romania. I'm just going to put yeah. that out there. Yeah. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> and I'm done. Good one, Norma Jean. <laughs> Now, the problem was, right? as we said earlier, the problem was the CIG stood outside the law. Yeah. And that's not just my theory. No. Uh, that's the judgment of uh, the General Counsel for Central Intelligence, <laughs> Lawrence Houston, right. from 1946 to 1972. He should know. He was like, yeah, we're running an illegal op here. <laughs> this uh, is, it's all illegal. Yeah. yeah. No paper. All no illegal. consent. Yeah. Congress. Yeah. We're winging we it, baby. What, yeah. Do whatever the fuck we want and no one can stop us. We're cowboys. Yeah. 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 Uh, here's um, Lawrence Houston's obit in the New York Times, Aww. written by... <coughs> sorry, written by Tim Wiener. 
author of Legacy of Ashes, right. the uh, excellent history of the CIA, who we will be using a lot for uh, our series on the CIA. Mm-hmm. He wrote, this is 1995, he wrote, uh, Lawrence R. Houston, an architect of the Central Intelligence Agency who built the legal foundation on which it rests and the facades behind which it hid, died on Tuesday. He was 82, died of a heart attack while vacationing, etc., etc., etc. Mr. Houston was the first general counsel at the CIA from the agency's creation in 1947 until 1973. His business was keeping the secret agency out of trouble in an open democracy. Espionage is, by its nature, illegal. Mr. Houston's job was to tell the agency what it could do under American law and, more rarely, what it could not. Uh, yeah. So there you go. He, uh, yeah. you know, 26 years as general counsel uh, helped to get away with all of the dirty shit that it was doing during that period. Good point, yeah. In 1950, it was Houston who created the complex network of uh, fronts that the CIA oh. operated and probably continue to operate behind, including famously Air America. Right. The global airline that the CIA secretly owned and did uh, drug running and gun running and the Iran-Contra affair and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So, yeah. He uh, uh, also was one of the guy that uh, helped keep the secret that the CIA had hired mafia bosses to try and help assassinate Fidel Castro. (laughs) In the uh, early 60s. Right. Uh, <coughs> so a long and honourable career. Uh, received the National Security Medal. Okay. Yeah, got lots of awards for uh, hiding shit that they didn't want the public to know about the CIA. Do you think he slept well at night? I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. yeah. Psychopaths always sleep well at night. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, got my eight hours. Yeah, so so basically, he, there's this guy's admitting. Look, pretty much what we did was outside the law. There's no consent of Congress, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, federal agency, whatever. We just pulled it out of our own ass. So there it is. But I think because now that Vanderberg is in charge, he has to come up with a new name in case you know the Secretary of uh, War, the Army, the Navy, the State Department, the Chiefs of Staff get uh, angry and try to shut him down. So he comes up with the fourth edition of the intelligence service. I think it's number four. It's the Office of Special Operations, and they were going to spy overseas. Vanderberg goes to a couple of congressmen, nudge and wink, gets $15 million. He's got his budget, and now it's time to go into Eastern and Central Europe and find out exactly what the Soviets are up to. So he ordered Dick Helms to find out everything he could about the Soviet movements and intentions across Eastern and Central Europe. Mm. Helms later said it was like being an apprentice juggler trying to keep an inflated beach ball, an open (laughs) milk bottle and a loaded machine gun in the air, which is how I describe my life, basically. Uh, Yeah. Didn't have any trained agents. What he had was what he called a legion of political exiles, former intelligence officers, ex-agents, and sundry entrepreneurs who were turning themselves into intelligence moguls, brokering the sale of fabricated-to-order information. Right. The more his spies spent buying intelligence 
the less valuable the intelligence actually became. He said, if there are any more graphic illustrations of throwing money at a problem that hasn't been thought through, none comes to mind. So basically, you know, the CIA would walk in and go, We've got big money for anyone who can give us uh, secrets. And everyone's like, oh, oh I do one. I have secrets? Oh, oh. oh fucking secrets. Yeah. I've got secrets. <laughs> well, one of the secrets was a drunken Soviet officer bragged that Russia would strike without warning. Or the commander of Soviet forces in the Balkans had toasted because Istanbul supposedly was going to fall very soon. But you've got to imagine these naive Americans show up, waving their big wads of cash. Everybody's coming out of the woodworks. I've got, you tell me what you want to hear, and I'll fucking say it. It's all about the Soviets. It's all bad. They're going to take over the world. And even though he knows at least 50% of this stuff is bullshit that he's paid for, he still sends it to Washington. It goes up the chain of command. And these rumors, these innuendos, these whatever you want to call them that they paid for, is scaring the shit out of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Because now they think the Red Army is going to be on the move very soon. Fast forward 55 years later, the CIA is still convinced that Saddam is hiding weapons of mass destruction (laughs) in Iraq. Because one of Saddam's political opponents told them that so they would come and you know help get him out of power yeah so the cia and i guess that's sort of uh, the premise of tim weiner's book legacy of ashes is the Mm -hmm. cia didn't learn shit over the course of its career uh it's failed at pretty much everything it's ever tried and when it has succeeded it's also failed like he uses examples where well, they, the one success they really had was when they managed to get the Russians out of Afghanistan in mm-hmm. the 80s. Uh, but in doing so, they trained <laughs> up and, uh, and weaponized the Mujahideen, which then right. became Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, which came back and attacked the US. So yes. he said even when they succeeded, they failed. Right. So and those if their job lasted. is to protect America... They failed. So it's just a a legacy of failures that they have. Anyway, um, as you say, Vandenberg was sending back all this information. Washington was freaking the fuck out. They didn't know what to believe. (laughs) So Vandenberg also decided quickly that the group's mission had to change. It had to become an operating agency, not just gathering intel. It needed to be out there uh, with doing subversive operations, doing shit in yes. foreign countries to affect Illegally. potential outcomes. Yeah. Now, it didn't have any legal authority to do that, but <laughs> it did it anyway. This time, he personally asked the Secretary of War, Robin Patterson, Robert Patterson, um, who, of course, is starring in the new Batman Good film. Good for him. My, my elder boys are... Very excited about that. Uh, they think it's going to be good. I say, nah, it's being made by DC. It's probably going to suck balls because um, the vast majority yeah. of DC superhero films do suck balls. Joker, okay. Joker was a you know one-off. Very good film. Everything else that they've done since, well, pretty much ever. Uh, except, okay, Heath Ledger. Batman uh, Dark Knight, good. He was good. Uh, that was good. Yeah. Good uh, the guy. Joker. Yeah, two good things they've ever done involved brilliant actors playing the Joker. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, everything else they've done sucked. 
So, anywho, Robert Patterson, and he went to Secretary of State's Jimmy Burns. He's still around. Oh, mate, Jimmy what? Burns. Yeah, yeah. He's briefly still in the job. Yeah, he'll be gone too. Uh, and got them to slip him a secret mm-hmm. 10 million greenbacks, brown paper bags <laughs> under the table. <laughs> To finance the work of his intelligence agents all over the world, which they did. Which reminds me, getting back to the Afghanistan story, uh, which we'll get to at some point, hopefully, if we live that long. Right. Uh, You know, when when uh, they decided to infiltrate Afghanistan to destabilise Afghanistan... Yeah. Because the government there in the late 70s was pro-USSR. CIA wanted to destabilise it, cause problems. Mm-hmm. You know, their intention was to turn Afghanistan into the Soviet Union's Vietnam. Right. And again, they couldn't go out and publicly, because the church committee hearings had just happened in the mid-70s, where the CIA was told, cut that fucking shit out. Yeah. Nod, nod, wink, wink, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Uh, so they went and again, got secret funding. To for out of you know uh, slush funds, right? To get that whole thing started because they c- couldn't do it legally, and that, then that Iran Contra in the eighties again, where they were selling guns to Iran to illicitly get funds to fundle to the Contras in Nicaragua. You know, it's just yeah. like you're getting illegal money all over the place Jesus. with the CIA's mo from the very beginning. Wasn't something that happened later on from the right. very get go. It was an illegal operation, so it couldn't get legal money. It had to get illegal. It had to get money illegally in order to Jesus. operate. Yes, from day one. So uh, Vandenberg decided to use this illicit money to create an underground resistance force in Romania. Oh, good. Which had because Romania had become a socialist republic after the war. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, they, they decided because they had all of this fake intelligence that uh, Russia was going to attack or attack Europe or something. Yeah. They decided they needed to disrupt these uh, governments, these, mm. these, you know, whether or not you think the elections were valid or not, these were elections they'd had in Romania that chose a socialist government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Americans have decided that they're going to uh, create a coup, the condition for a right. coup, by disabling the uh, Romanian government. So he had a loose group of agents there that Frank Wisner had left behind when he quit and went back to his law firm. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I think you were making this point earlier, so there's this uh, group of agents that Frank uh, had left behind in Bucharest, but... And they eat, and they're dying to work with the Americans, not just because they have uh, cash. Because I, I'm guessing they don't like the Soviets. Doesn't matter. The Soviets have already infiltrated all these different organizations, so the Soviets know what's going on. So there's a new station chief in Bucharest. Uh, he's the chief of the Office of Special Operations, Charles W. Hostler. And what does he find when he gets there? It's a veritable wild west. In Romania, there's conspiracies, there's double dealings, there's occasionally murder and assassination, there's people going around who are fascists, communists, monarchists, industrialists, anarchists, moderates, idealists. And the point is, when he gets there, he looks around and he sees the complex, multi-layered area that Romania is, and he knows, he just knows Americans are not ready for this. But it doesn't matter because Vandenberg, like you said, had sent in Hamilton and Hall 
into uh, Bucharest, and they're, they're supposed to take the Romanian Romanians National Peasant Party, and they're supposed to turn it into a resistance force. This sounds good on paper, but keep in mind the Americans have no idea how to do this, who they can trust, or how to make this work. Also, keep in mind that Bill Donovan's briefcase was taken <laughs> by some sort of a hooker well, in Bucharest. An independent and contractor. To the Russians, uh, so they have probably all of their code books and Good all point. of this kind of all stuff. All their names. Yeah. Mm. Good point. So um, Vandenberg's guys met with the National Peasant Party leaders and offered the secret support of the United States government. Look, we'll give you guns, money, intelligence. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Good times. We're going to, you're going to win. You're going to be heroes. You're going to get tired you're of be winning. Legends. Yeah. Oh, so tired of winning. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna be living in mansions. We're gonna take good care of you, and they're like, Hookers. "Fuck yes, about yeah. time, motherfuckers!" Yeah. <laughs> so then they smuggled the former foreign minister of Romania and five other members of their liberation army into Austria. Five huh? by sedating them, yeah, stuffing them in mail sacks and Sexy. flying them. Yeah. Oh, they're mail. Oh, was yeah. it a leather? Tell me it was a leather pouch. It doesn't have to be true. Leather Just tell pouch, me it was yeah. a leather pouch. Yeah. Yes. Ball gags. The whole thing. <laughs> Zipper over the so, mouth. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Gimp suits. They were like, I don't know. Why do we have to wear the gimp suit? Look. Trust me. We don't the make them. This is, right. this is secret. Intel- Who's the experts in secret intelligence? Black ops here. Just trust don't me. You'd be asking questions. Your job's not right. to ask questions. Right. Everything will. But why is there like a big hole in my ass? Well, listen, <laughs> as I said, it's complicated. Everything will become clear right. when you get to Austria. Austria. I've heard weird <laughs> shit about Austrians. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. Well, you're about to find yeah, out. Yeah, you, you think. Yeah, you think yeah. those stories you've heard about? Why till you? Now this is the, you get there. This my is the important part. If someone unzips the zipper that's over your mouth, just just open your mouth and let it ride. Don't worry about it. Yeah, just swallow. Just, just Don't swallow. ask questions. Just swallow. If there's a microfilm they... hidden in some semen. Uh, it's of water. We need you to swallow that. My, I don't know. I'm making this shit up. It's very anyway. complicated. Spycraft <laughs> is very complicated. It might take me we've a couple. We've been studying it for minutes. We've been studying it for weeks now. You know, it's taken us weeks to come up with these very detailed strategies. Anyway. Uh, hey. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> it's a bit like the Catholic priest when you were young told you that uh, God's forgiveness came in the semen that uh, he had to swallow. Well, turns you know, yeah, you got the bread true. and the wine. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but there's, there's the, a the, forgiveness juice. The rest of the Eucharist. Said, yeah, <laughs> Jesus said, eat this bread, it is my body. Drink this wine, it is my blood. Drink this cum, it is well, it's my cum, basically. It's, <laughs> it's we Jesus call it cum. forgiveness juice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> Jesus juice. Jesus juice. Oh, my God. Hour <laughs> <laughs> two. They, they edited that bit out of the Bible that the general public gets. Good when call. you become a cardinal oh, or then you priest, get, you, right. get, you get that Special version of the Bible. And all, that's the version yeah. that opens up with, ha, don't tell anyone, but we made all this up. So anyway. Um, <laughs> that's the uh, first So they, they smuggled all these guys out into Austria to lead the right. resistance. Now, yes. it took Soviet intelligence... Uh, and the Romanian secret police, roughly about 12 minutes 
to uh, infiltrate the uh, Americans' organisation oh, here. It's embarrassing. The uh, resistance was crushed. The Americans ran for their lives. The resistance leaders were all thrown in prison or executed for being traitors. Yeah. And the ones who were in Austria were tried in absentia. Now, Frank Wisner yeah. opened, the, opened the New York Times on November 20th, 1946, to find out that the agents he had left behind were all in prison or dead oh. and his former personal secretary had committed suicide. So the very first operation yes. of America's new central intelligence group uh, was also its first huge fuck-up. Well, at least we wasted $10 million. Back then was a lot of money, so we got that going for us. Well, it's not. I wouldn't think of it as wasting it. Experience I gained? I would say you could... Yeah, you could sum up the 70, 80-year history of the uh, CIA as sure. spending hundreds of billions of dollars <laughs> in order to learn what doesn't work. Oh, first you eliminate uh, one day, what doesn't work, right? Yeah. Okay. That's just the scientific method, right? <laughs> it sounds you know, crazy. You have to, okay. You have to, well, yeah, but well, you can afford it. You have to try everything to find out what doesn't work. By definition, what is left must work. I can't wait they for that found day. That, <laughs> you know, they haven't found that yet. One, but one day. they're working towards it. They're sneaking up on it. Oh, man. Give them another couple of hundred years, a few trillion dollars. I can't wait. And uh, get it all sorted out. Good times. So uh, Frank Wisner left his law firm yeah. again and went to Washington to get a job at the State Department with the, his view was to take over the running of the CIA, but we will leave that for future episodes. Yes. How can he close me up? On what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. <laughs> Just imports, no exports? He's an importer-exporter, okay? 